revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Father, we pray you'd help me to preach today in the power of the Holy Ghost. Help me to be mindful of you. And Lord, I am grateful, Lord, to be in the house of God. Pray, God, that you'd help me to be led of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. Help me to preach in the power of the Spirit. I pray, dear God, that you'd make it easy, Lord, to be able to share the truth that you've laid upon our heart. Help me to be a vessel that you could speak to the hearts of sinners and saints. And Lord, we pray that we be established in the faith, that we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord. And Lord, as the Apostle Peter that we mentioned uh, this morning whose shadow had an impact and influence. Lord, even the last verse of the last book that bears his name, he gave us that encouragement, gave us that challenge. He confronted us with with the opportunity and the challenge to grow close. He told us in the text, Lord, to grow in grace and in knowledge. And Lord, we pray today that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We do it for your praise and do it for your honor. We pray, Lord, if it might be somebody lost, that you might save them. And Lord, draw them unto you in the place of repentance. By faith, they may trust you and be saved. Lord, we'll trust you with the results and everything that happens. We'll give you glory. And thank you, Lord, for those that are here. We miss those who aren't able to be here, sick in body. We pray you'd nourish them spiritually. And Lord, for that great congregation that we can see that spans in all those different countries by way of podcasts who will listen tonight and next week. We pray, Lord, you'd speak to their heart, challenge them as well, and we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while tonight, I don't want to preach on that verse, verse 13, but I need to deal with a few things before we get there. The text tonight, if, if I were to give a title, I'd, I'd give it this title, Judgment is Sure. Death is certain, judgment is sure, sin is the cause, and Christ is the only cure. If you were to look in your Bible and span it from cover to cover, there'd be several things that you could add to what I'm going to say tonight. You could, you could summarize the judgments of the Bible. Judgment is sure. You could summarize them into at least seven different judgments. I'm going to just mention them a few and then we'll go on by way of introduction. There's the believer's sin at the cross. That's the first judgment that I want to deal with tonight. At judgment of this, uh, amen, of sin on Christ, on Calvary. Here's what he said. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me, this is signifying what death he should die. John chapter number 12, verse 31 through 33. Jesus said, there is going to be a judgment when I'm lifted up. That is the believer's sin judged on Christ at Calvary. Then there's the believer's self-judgment. That's where we need to judge ourselves lest we be judged. Here's what the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 30. So the second judgment I want to mention by way of introduction is the believer's self-judgment. Here's what the Bible says. For if we would judge ourselves, 
That's what the book says. We should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So if, if, if you were to look at all the judgments of the Bible, the first judgment is our sin judged on Christ for our behalf. Boy, I appreciate that. Then there should be a believer's judgment. Here, here's what Peter told us. He said judgment ought to begin at the house of God. If we would judge ourselves as believers, take the knowledge of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us and the scriptures that convict us and convince us, then we would not have so much to face at the judgment seat, which is what we're going to be dealing with tonight, the Bema seat, the judgment seat. The believer's works will be judged. In our text tonight, here's what the Bible says, amen, in reference to this, and 2 Corinthians in the second letter, Paul's going to write this same church again, and here's what he says. He says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The context says, every man's work shall be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So there's the bema seat, the judgment seat, the, the, the judgment that every believer is going to one, one, day, one day stand before Christ. And here's what Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men what? To live right to live righteously, to live upright. Then there's the judgment of nations. If you were to categorize them in these seven judgments, there's the judgment of nations. Some people call it the judgment of the Gentiles. Here's what the Bible says. And before him shall be gathered all the nations, Matthew 25, and he shall separate them one from another. As the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, he shall set the sheep on the right hand. He'll put the goats on the left hand. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. See, that judgment of nations, the judgment of the Gentiles, here's the basis of that judgment. The basis, amen, of the judgment we're going to deal with tonight is everything we've done in the body. The, the basis of the judgment of the nations is going to be how they, those nations treated Israel or treated God's chosen people. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, we quote this text all the time, Matthew 25. It goes on to say in verse 35 through verse 40, he said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. He's talking to that judgment nation when he separates them. How have we treated God's people? I want to tell you, thank God for the Jew. The Bible we carry in our hand come by way of a bunch of Jews. Somebody ought to say amen. Jesus died at Calvary. He came into this flesh. Hey man, thank God for the Jew. And we ought to treat them like God's chosen people. Then there's the judgment of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse number seven, the Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. So when the Christians, when the churches are taken up out of this world by way of the rapture of the church, tribulation is going to begin. Jacob's trouble is going to begin. During those days, Israel will come under the terrible oppression of the Antichrist. Ain't you glad we ain't going to be here? I'm glad I ain't going to be here. I'm a, I'm a leaving here. The horn's tooting and I'm a scooting. Amen. And that day, there, and that day, Zechariah said, there's going to be a fountain open to the house of David. Amen. Thank God. God is going to judge. You say, preacher, what's that tribulation for? I don't have time to deal with it. I'm not going to well, let me tell you this. I'm not going to take time to deal with it. But God's going to always keep his promises. The, the sand 
has been promised to his people. They're going to get that back. The seed that's going to sit on the throne has been promised. That's going to take place. Everything that God, amen, has said he's going to do to the nation of Israel, he's going to do. So there's going to be the judgment of the Gentiles, the judgment of Israel. Then there'll be a judgment of angels. That's the sixth judgment in your King James Bible. Here's what the Bible said. Here's well, We know this by way of the Bible, that God created the angels to be servants. He created some to be worshipers. They some created in heaven and they cry, holy, holy, holy. I say, amen. Thank God they don't even, they know he's holy. They, they desire to look into salvation. They don't really understand all that is, but I sure am glad they are doing what they were designed to do. Now, all angels have not always did what they ought to do. Some of them rebelled. When Satan rebelled, they rebelled. The angels who kept not, here's what Jude said in Jude 6, the angels who kept not the first to say, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Here's what the book says. Those angels are already in prison and the Bible says they're awaiting the judgment day. So here, here you say, preacher, here's a good point to consider. Who's going to judge the angels? Who's going to judge the angels? The Bible tells us that Christians are going to judge the angels. You ever hear that people say, well, I don't know why. God ain't never called you to be a judge. Actually, he did call us to be a judge. We're first of all, supposed to judge your fruits and by your fruits we can tell what you are you can say you're an apple tree all you want but if there's peaches hanging on the tree you ain't an apple tree you're a peach tree and if you got good fruit you're a good tree if you got bad fruit you're a bad tree and all God's people say it had some people I worked with one time said God didn't make you a judge and by the way you ain't no fruit inspector I said well I know what the book says I'm gonna take up I'm gonna believe what the Bible says but here's what the Bible also says we're going to judge. You don't blame me? Let me prove it to you. Here's what the Bible says. Christians are going to judge the angels. Sounds astonishing. I know. Here's what Paul said. He wrote an inspiration of the Holy Ghost, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge those angels. God is, hey man, y'all believe in your Bible, don't you? Bible says that we're going to judge those angels. So there's the judgment of Gentiles, the judgment of angels, the judgment of sin, judgment of day. But then there's the judgment of the lost and the wicked. That's that great white throne judgment. Here's what the Bible said in Revelation 20. And I saw the dead, small and great stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake, lake of fire. So at the great white throne judgment, the question is going to be not how good you were, not what family you was in, not how many church pens you have on from a Sunday school attendance, not how many times you read the Bible through. The question is going to be is, is, is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? The only people that's going to the great white throne judgment are those who have rejected Christ. The only way you can get your name in the book is by believing in Jesus Christ. And so here's what's going to happen. The people who've rejected Christ, whose name's not in the Lamb Book of Life, are going to be cast along with hail and the lake of fire forever. That's the Bible. That's what's going to happen. So, in the Bible, there are at least seven judgments. We mentioned them to you tonight. Let's go back to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. 
We're dealing with tonight this judgment seat. The one that everybody that's a believer is going to have to stand at. Here's what the Bible says. Let's read it one more time. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Every believer is going to have to stand before God. It's what the Bible says. We're going to have to stand before him at the Bema seat. Every man's work shall be made manifest. So at the Bema seat, at the judgment seat, we're going to have to give account, Brother Scott, on how we've lived for God, the works we've done in the body. The purpose of this judgment is to receive rewards based upon our, amen, us being a, a, a submissive servant to the will of God in our life. You're going to be judged at the judgment seat for not only your progress, but your potential. How you served God since the day you got saved and how you could have served God if you'd have surrendered your life. So many of us today are, amen, are going to have to face God one day having not reached our full potential. It's evident in the Old Testament. The Bible told that crowd that came out of Egypt that walked over Jordan on dry ground that lived in Canaan, here's what he said. Everywhere you put your foot, it's gonna be your land. And he gave them the inheritance. They only ever, and they only ever lived in a third of the land that was promised them. They never inhabited all the land. So they're living in on a portion of the blessings that God had already promised them. That's the way it is with believers. We're living on a small portion of the victory that we could be living in. Somebody say amen. The progress and the potential. The actions and the attitude. Preach the message right here from this same text one time. On a hope I see a little glitter in the ash piles. A lot of what we've done is going to be burned up. But I hope and pray that there'll be a little bit of gold and a little bit of glitter and a little bit of crown that I can lay back down at his feet and say, God, it's for your glory. Amen. Here, notice what the Bible says. Here's the, here's the Bible. Here In the text that we're looking at, we're looking at this judgment seat, the believer's works. We're looking at one day after this, the judgment. Judgment is sure. This passage gives us a little bit of glimpse to the judgment seat. We know... For the Christian, there is going to be no judgment of sin dealt with at the judgment seat. Why? Because all of our sin has been dealt with at Calvary. It's already the believer's sin has been dealt with and judged on Christ for your behalf at Calvary. Somebody ought to say amen right there. On Christ, here's, I think there's an old song, On Christ Almighty, vengeance fell that would have sunk a world to hell. He bore the cross for a sinful race and thus became our hiding place. Thank God for him being our hiding place. Amen. Every person in this building, amen, saved or lost, is going to have to stand before a judgment. I'm not dealing with that great white throne judgment tonight. I'm dealing with 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5. I'm trying to deal with the fact that one day, Amen. At the great white throne, that's a judgment of condemnation. At, 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 this, at this judgment for the believer, it is a judgment of commendation. So it's like going to an award ceremony. It's like going and seeing all the blessings that God's going to pour on you 
He gave you, he washed you in his blood, saved you by his grace, put you in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. He's making a place for you in glory. He's put the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. He's given you everything that you need to serve him. And he's going to reward you for just doing what he's empowered you to do. Man, what a God we serve. Amen. You're going to see right here the believer's judgment at the, at the judgment seat of Christ will determine rewards. Some are going to receive the reward that's been purified. Some is going to receive a bunch of stuff that's been burned up. It's going to be sifting through the ashes. But the judgment seat of Christ will sift through the ashes and the actions of the lives of everybody that's been saved. It's going to check your motivations. It's going to check your reasons. It's going to check your passions. At the judgment seat of Christ, nothing's going to be hid. Everything's going to be open. Every time you've ever prayed and made God a promise, every time you've ever made a commitment to God, every time you've ever, amen, everything you've done in the secret, everything you've done in the open, it's all going to be replayed. It's going to be like an instant replay in the NFL. He's going to see every time you've stepped out of bounds, it, you're going to stay. Hey, man, I don't know about y'all. Ain't no wonder Paul said it's a terror of the Lord. He knew he is saved. You're not going to the judgment seat to say, well, let's see if everything pans out. You'll still get to go to heaven. That's done with. I'm washed in the Lord's blood. I'm saved by the grace of God. But what I am going to have to give account of how I've served the Lord, the actions and the attitude, the motivations and the mannerisms. Amen. Why? I did what I did for the glory of God and I'm going to stand at the judgment seat and give account of that and I don't know about you but that brings terror to my life it, it will be at least four things number one it will be a day of it will be a day of explicitness in other words every man's work shall be made manifest here's what that word means that word manifest means to shine means to make apparent God's going to shine a light on your life Nothing's going to escape him. Here's how Mama puts it. Everybody has to answer for themselves. She's quoting the Bible. She just didn't realize it. Romans 14, 12. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. If you were to die and all of your family saved and you have an SUV that goes off of the Blue Ridge Parkway, every single person dies instantaneously. Every single person. You're not going to stand at the judgment seat as a family. Your wife ain't going to speak up and testify for you. Your husband ain't going to testify for you. Your grandma ain't going to be able to save a word for you. Your preacher can't stand for you. Every man shall give account of himself to God. It's kind of like Brother Edgar Thomas used to talk about the great Chinese orchestra. And he said, he said one time, there's this man and he got in the orchestra because of the royalty and the pull and the purse strings of his family. Couldn't play a lick. But he got in there and he made out like he was playing, but he really wasn't playing. Well, it come a day the conductor changed. And the conductor didn't care about your money. He didn't care about your position. He didn't care about your presence. He didn't care about none of that. Every person had to stand alone in a room with the conductor and play their instrument. That, in other words, every person had to face the music. Listen to me. Every single person in here, you ain't going to be able to stand as a church. Every man is going to stand and give account. Every woman is going to stand individually. If that don't bring fear in your life, I don't know if you 
right with God. Every single person is going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Not whether you go to heaven or hell. Hey, that's done with. I'm glad I'm saved and my name's there. And nothing is going to change that. But it's a fearful thing to know that everything I've ever said, everything I've ever thought, everything I've ever done, every commitment I've ever made, every message I've ever preached, every motivation I've ever had, every decision I've ever made, anything that I've ever done since the moment I got saved, ain't nothing going to be swept under the rug, but I'm going to have to face the music and everybody in this building and every believer that's ever been saved, you're going to have to face the music alone. Anybody ready to pray yet? It's going to be a day of explicitness. Here's, here's what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5, says that God will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. See, here's the work of the judgment seat. It's not just to point out all your problems. It's not just to point out everything that you've done with a bad attitude. The point of the judgment seat is to bring praise to God. Here, let me read it again. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Here's what the Bible says. He's going to, at the judgment seat, bring to light the hidden things of darkness, make manifest the counsels of our hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. God wants to pour blessings on your life. He wants to put crowns. And ain't it going to be a something? I don't know. Brother Ricky Gravely may have it right. I don't know, Brother Jared. But it might be just like Brother Gravely said. It might be that one day throughout eternity, he'll say, I'm wearing Doug Thompson's crowns. The crowns I gave him, I'm going to parade around. Oh, hallelujah. Ain't it going to be something to be able to lay something down at his feet? Hey, man, God. Help us, I pray our attitudes is right. You see, it's all about praise being to Christ, praise being to God. It's going to be a time of shouting, a time of singing in eternity. And won't it be something to know that we've done something for the glory of God? He gave us what we needed to give back to him a crown of glory. Number two, it will not just be a time, a day of explicitness. It'll be a time of exclamation. The Bible says this in our verse, for the day shall declare it. See, here's what's going to happen on that day. Every man's word's going to be made manifest. The next portion of verse 13 says, the day shall declare it. It's going to declare it. It's going to put out on a bullhorn. Hey, man. Hey, man, Mason. Ain't going to be no hiding in. It's everybody's going to know it. Have you ever thought about this? Have you, have you really thought about if, if somebody was up there, if God was right now in this service moving a mouse over Jared's life? And when he clicks on Jared, behind me, in front of everybody in this sanctuary, is everything that Jared's thinking right now. What if the Holy Ghost moves over Brother Michael Kerr, Brother Jamie, Miss Rhonda, Seth, Randy, moves over, clicks on us, and behind the screen in view of everybody is an instant replay of everything that we thought this week, everything we've done this week, everything we thought nobody else knew about but the Holy Ghost who lives on the side. Here's what the sad thing about it is. Here's what the sad thing about it is. Every, because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, and he uses your hands, and uses your lips, and uses your life, any place you take 
the whole, any, any place you go, you take God. Let me, let me put it, let me put it in, in plain. Let me put it like this. When, when Mary was pregnated with the Lord, and they'd say, Mary, come hang out over here and party with us. She said, I can't, God's in me. Everywhere we go, God's in us. I wonder if what we're seeing on TV, if what we're seeing on our screen, flipping through our little search history, somebody ought to say amen. I wonder if, hey, hey, you're making the Holy Ghost see that. And one day, the day is going to declare it. It's going to put out a bullhorn. Said it will be a day of exclamation. Here's what the word translated declare. Here's what the word means. It means to make plain. We have a great need for plainness in our Christian life. Every cloak that is used to mask, everything that we try to hide behind is going to be taken away. It's all going to be revealed. Nothing going to be hid. You can't hide nothing in the glove compartment. You can't hide no, no radio stations. You know, you got all them Christian radio stations on FM1, but if you flip over to FM2, got all them country music stations and all God's people say. That is why God has told us in his word in James 1, 23, if any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man who beholds his natural face in a glass and then he goes out to the car, turns on something, gets it off of his mind, and he goes about and does what he wants to do. God has taken great pains to have preaching and truth and prayer time, and God's made things plain, amen, for us to do self-judgment. That's why judgment should begin in the house of God. And if we'll judge ourselves and check ourselves, we won't have to stand for so many negative marks and have to have so much stuff burned up at the judgment seat and all God's people. But if we will not see ourselves through the Bible, if we won't judge ourselves, there is a judgment seat. And Paul said, a great man of God, Paul, a church planner like Paul, a missionary like Paul, the man of God, Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, standing before the judgment seat, it's a terror we persuade man. It's going to be a day of exclamation today. Amen. Of explicitness. It's going to be a day of exposure. Look in, look in our text first, verse 13. Look at that third phrase. Because it shall be revealed by fire. The word that reveal means also to take off the cover. In other words, we're going to have to acknowledge our sin. We're, in other words, there's no cloak for our sin. I, I think about it like this. He says, he says, he says this, that the fire is going to be revealed by fire. There ain't no clothes in hell. Ain't, no, ain't a stitch of clothes in hell. Ain't nothing to hide behind. But we ain't going to hell. But the Bible said in Revelation chapter number one that the, the eyes of the Lord are, are like fire. And, and he's going to burn past all of our masks. He's going to burn past everything that we're trying to hide behind. Amen. Every secret thought will be searched out. Everything will be exposed. God, you can say it like this, God and his heavenly flamethrower are going to burn away everything and peer down the depths of our soul. Oh, the judgment seat of God. It is a day of exposure when things will be exposed. It is actually a day of an examination. Look what the verse says in verse Verse 13. We're still in verse 13. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It's a day of examination. It means a test. Uh, 
this young Marine over here in ROTC this morning, Elijah, he said, he said, man, we're going to have a Marine inspection. Hey, we're going to stand inspection one day. There's going to be an examination one day. Are you ready for the examination? Have you made preparation? God's going to seek out which part of your works will pass the test and which part's going to fail. He's going to check all your actions, your attitude. He's going carefully. I'm just asking you, if you're unsaved, you're not going to stand at the judgment seat. You're going to stand at the great white throne judgment. It's going to be a judgment of condemnation. You're going to find out all your good works couldn't get you there. And, and just because you was around church, hey, going to church don't make you saved no more than living in a garage makes you a car. you got to get saved. you, you got to get born again. You have to confess your sin and trust in Christ. As you say, just because your family's right with God, that don't matter. Hey, you're, you're facing the great white throne judgment. And the only thing you're going to hear is depart from me, your workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And they're going to bind your hand and foot and throw you in the lake of fire. And that's where you're going to burn and die forever, but never, never be eliminated, just continually turmoil and suffer. But everybody that's saved, Hey, don't, don't think it's going to be a breeze. We're going to have to stand at the judgment seat and give account of everything and see whether it last makes the fire or gets burned up in the fire. A lot of my stuff's going to be hay and stubble. I had the wrong attitude sometimes. You can preach the truth and be in the wrong attitude. You can speak the truth and be in the wrong attitude. You can live the truth and be in the wrong attitude. I'm, just, I'm asking you this. When I read this text here, See, here's what I'm thinking about. If it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't even be at this judgment seat. I don't know when the Lord's going to let me preach it, so I'm just going to say it tonight. I get to thinking about the cross. Do you, you think about this. It is the subject and song of forever. It's the only title, <laughs> deed, that gives us access to heaven. Revelation 7. It is the center of heaven's government, Revelations 4.2. It is the source of heaven's life, Revelations 22.1. It is the scene of heaven's worship, Revelations 21.22. It is the brilliance of heaven's light, Revelations 21.23. The Calvary, the cross, the Lord Jesus dying for you, standing in your place, is the theme of heaven's song, Revelations 5.9. It's the incentive of heaven's service in Revelation 22.3. It is the basis of heavenly triumph in Revelations 12 and verse 21. It is the subject of heaven's rejoicing in Revelations 19.7. It is the terror of heaven's enemies in Revelation 6 verse 12 through 17. You can't help when you look at the think on Calvary and realize that everything he did he did it because he loved us. You got to think about the love of Christ that was expressed at Calvary, the love of Christ you experienced at Calvary, and the love of Christ that enables you to live in view of Calvary ever since you got saved. What you do right now does matter. Every single person in this building is going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be a day of explicitness. It's going to be a day of exposure. It's going to be a day of exclamation. It's going to be a day of examination. I'm telling you, nothing's going to be in. Everything's going to be manifest. The cover's going to be taken off. Amen. Everything's going to be made plain. Everything's going to be exposed. Imagine standing there and your life playing by video recording of everything and every thought that you've ever had. 
I can promise you this. It ain't going to be one of those walk in the park. I don't care how good a person is. We get to thinking about the judgment seat, and I think about Momo. Man, as good a woman as I know. Great woman. When we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, you see fear gripping her heart. If that woman fears, it will put some fear in us. That man of God, Paul, wrote 14 books of the New Testament. Planted church all over Asia, all over Asia Minor. He was instrumental in casting a shadow in Timothy's life. Man, what a man of God. He walked in the shadow of Ananias. Helped start the church at Ephesus. Timothy pastored the church at Ephesus. John the Beloved was at the church of Ephesus. The mother of Jesus was at the church. What a church. And yet Paul said, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's later for me a crown. I mean, he's, he's rejoicing, having finished his race, having fought the good fight, having fit. And yet he said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If Paul is concerned about one day standing before the Christ with sin that's unconfessed, with an attitude that's unchecked, with a life that's half in and half out. I'm going to tell you right now, Landrum Independent Baptist Church and everybody in 2022, we better crawl up an altar now and say, God, search me in and out and check me because one day when I stand before you, I want to go ahead and let judgment begin at the house of God. I want to go ahead and, I want to go ahead and take this Bible and I want you to search me now so that I'm not judged then. Hey, we're going to face it. It's appointed unto man once to die after this judgment. Death is certain. It is. Judgment is sure. Sin is the cause. And Christ is the only cure. On Christ Almighty, vengeance fell that would have sent the world to hell. He took it for a sinful race and thus became our hiding place. And he's the only hope we have tonight. Let's all stand heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we 